And welcome in here to In Focus on News Radio KMAN. Nick McNamara here in for Brandon Peoples this morning. Stephen Schaefer on the other side of the glass. Today we have a City Commission Day. We're previewing tonight's City Commission meeting and as well as talking about other city-related items as well. Uh, in studio with me, City Manager Ron Fear. Thanks for being here, sir. Thanks for having us, Nick. And we have Mayor Linda Morse as well. Good Thank morning. you for being it's here. A pleasure to be here. Of course. Hi. And I feel like with the rotation we have these days, it's it's always kind of nice to see uh-huh. the different faces. And, you know, we don't get to see you for a while. So it's, it's nice to have you here. We're going to be, each of us is going to take a, a month, uh, kind of a rotation. And it means that one co- one commissioner or the mayor is not the only person that the public hears from. And that's a good idea to hear that uh, difference in opinion. And while I do value getting a chance to talk to you, too, yeah. it is it is nice to get those other opinions, too. Exactly. But so great to see you, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And as I mentioned, tonight's the city commission meeting, uh, a legislative session, in fact. So there's a 5.30 p.m. briefing session for those of you out there who want to check it out, as well as the legislative session proper at 7 p.m. You can check that out, Cox Cable Channel 3, cityofmhk.com slash TV, and then there's the Facebook stuff as well. I have that memorized pretty good, huh? That's really good. Yeah. And then, Thank uh, you. Of course, I, 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 have to put, I have to put the blog out there for folks who – it's a good idea to check it out. City government's an important thing, so if you have the free time, I, inv- I advise you go in to check it out. We're going to preview it all morning today, so if you're listening, you'll get a good general idea of what's going to be discussed. Before we get into some of those topics, though, there's a few uh, housekeeping items I'd like to ask about before we get into that, regarding taxes, especially construction. But first, um, it's about the time when you'd be starting to put out a, uh, your monthly report, uh, Mr. Fear. So I'm curious what tax revenues looked like so far. Sure. So we did get uh, kind of our... End of April uh, reports for uh, really it's uh, reflects uh, sales tax is the primary one we certainly examined from month to month and we did get the April report and it's uh, continuing to hold well for us uh, one of the things our overall sales tax amount uh, was uh, just over 2.2 million uh, that's about a seven percent increase from uh, last April and 14% over 20, and I think the encouraging part, it's 24% over 19. So uh, keep in mind, so this, this April revenue really reflects more February. Uh, it's about two months behind. And so if you go back to February of 2020, that's kind of when things started going south for a while. Uh, from to get a revenue standpoint. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 good to compare that it, it it's down from last month, but uh, generally this month is one of our low that February is one of our lower collection months uh, traditionally. So we were pleased with that. Uh, the the other thing that's continuing to be of substantial assistance is the increase in the use tax. So the compensating use tax, which is really uh, the the online sales that folks uh, purchase uh, just. Uh, a couple of years ago, the legislature and the governor uh, put that into play to, to collect uh, more of that online sales tax. And so that's been a, a significant increase for us. You know, it's, a, for example, uh, it's uh, 85% higher or more, almost double what it was in, in 2020. And then in, in 19, it didn't exist. I mean, we had it, but it didn't have the new components of it uh, uh, which made it a little bit more mandatory for the, all those online shoppers. So yeah, there, there wasn't so much the teeth involved to make correct. people, you know, you were supposed to do it voluntarily, pay right. those taxes, but, you know, without the teeth, maybe that wasn't happening so much. Right. So we're uh, well ahead for the year, which is a great place to be in. And uh, we've actually uh, had an increase in our cash balances and 
uh, we're uh, very appreciative of the, the position that we're in, and we hope that that con- trend continues. We rely on uh, sales tax a lot. The other one we get uh, uh, disbursements is the transient guest tax, and it's one that had been lagging considerably be- because of COVID. It had a big impact on a lot of our hoteliers and just our meetings and, and just uh, entertainment businesses uh, altogether. But uh, uh, so far, uh, 22 year to date, uh, we're up 80 percent, 84 percent over 21, and 16 percent uh, over 2020, 22 uh, percent over 19. So uh, last quarter we had, uh, and that we're run a quarter behind. So the the first payment in January reflects uh, uh, October, November of December uh, of last year, and then. Uh, this one check we just received reflects uh, January, February, and March. So it was 419274 in, in January. That last quarter was 646 and it's rarely been over 500 previously. So we're definitely kind of back on track with that one, and uh, we're projecting generally uh, when things were going well, uh, we were receiving uh, close to about uh, $2 million in transient guest tax revenue. And uh, if this trend continues, uh, we should become awful close to that as well. So those are both good signs that folks are wanting to get out again and meet and and travel. And so that's uh, stay and visit in our community. And some of the meetings are starting to, to gather uh, in person. So those are all all great indicators for us. Yeah, between the sales tax and the and the TGT you mentioned, um, I know there back at the beginning of the pandemic there was a lot of uncertainty and questions and, and just concern about what exactly the revenue picture was going to look like, not just in 2020 but years to come. As you saw the, the whatever the down downstream effect of all of the pandemic was going to be. And it must be a, a, a big relief to see things rebound quite the way it has, hasn't it, Mayor Morris? Absolutely. Um, and it is an indication that people are ready to, uh, you know, we talk about the norm, go back to normal, but just revi- renew their old activities. I went to a conference this last weekend at our convention center, the League of Kansas Municipalities meeting, and it was wonderful to be in the same room with 130 people. It was a, it's a really big room, and we had space between as we were, you know, individually we sat. Uh, but it was um, just a great to see people in person again. And I ran into uh, the, um, oh, I don't remember somebody, and I said, oh my gosh, I have never met you in person. I only know you from that little box on Zoom. (laughs) And so anyway, it's just, uh, it's refreshing again. It it reminds me of uh, Commissioner Estabrook talking about, he may have been one of the few commissioners to maybe go his entire tenure without having very many in-person mm-hmm. meetings. I think the vast majority of his meetings were yeah. all via Zoom the, or online or some the process. Two, two years, yeah. That's that's how long COVID lasted or was was in, uh, up front for us, right? Yeah, definitely. And I see we, we do appear to have a caller on the line, and I, I want to give uh, – let's see. I want to give Stephen a chance to get him on. All right. We have Paul on the line. Uh, he wants to talk about street maintenance. Okay, my question is uh, to the city manager. Uh, I think a few years ago, I don't recall how long, but in one of the meetings, uh, Rob Ott reported that we had like 27 or 27 dollars to fix in Manhattan. My concern is when are we going to start on that? Because that's going up exponentially daily. 
if you drive the streets of Manhattan, which I know you do because you live a west part, they're they're falling apart. Uh, it, 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 we might as well take them back to gravel because they're a lot smoother. Yeah. And, and they're getting like country roads. And everybody knows that. It's shaking front end. The, the uh, alignment people love it because it's shaking the front ends of these cars loose. Same thing we had on that roundabout at Kimball. Drive through that. There's holes in that if a Volkswagen falls in. They won't get out. So I, I think we ought to take a look at the streets. We're spending money, money, money on things we don't need yet. But we need to fix the streets, or people are going to quit coming to town. Uh, I'll just hang up and listen. Thank you. Appreciate that call. So, uh, actually, our second work session in May, uh, we're targeting an update on the special street maintenance program, and uh, our public works director Rob Ott will be leading that presentation. And actually, we're about uh, at the halfway mark for that ten-year, two-tenths of percent uh, sales tax that the voters approved and. Uh, that generally is allowing us to spend an additional two million dollars a year uh, on those funds. Now we had we had some COVID interruption with uh, some of our ability to do some of that, and that wasn't as uh, uh, aggressive, I guess, if you would say. But uh, generally, we've met uh, uh, those funds and, and spent them uh, accordingly on street maintenance and targeted the different aspects. Of course, remember that about ninety-five percent of that's uh, targeted for existing streets uh, for maintaining them and then also about five percent for safe routes to school which uh, uh, were we've leveraged very well with uh, other state and federal grant programs so uh, I think people will be pleased with the investment that we've made and where we've invested it of course the question we always get is well when you come into my neighborhood um, and so those are part of that aspects I know he's also uh, updated the pavement condition index so which is a uh, measurement. Uh, we had a consultant come in and update that uh, data analysis and our freeze-thaw cycles. Uh, even though our winter wasn't real treacherous from a moisture stands and freeze-thaw cycle, the temperature var variations were substantial, and that's always what uh, helps move some of that around as well. So we're, we're continuing to have some of our normal challenges, but uh, uh, and, and, you know, the same amount of money isn't going as far. Uh, material supplies are, are going up, but uh, uh, I think people will be pleased to see the progress that we've made. There's still a lot of work to do, and, and one of the things we want to visit with the commission about is just uh, uh, how we can continue to target uh, some of the funds. We've been fortunate to be able to rebuild some of our roadways uh, in certain areas. Obviously, we've been focusing on the North Campus Corridor. We've, we've been doing that with uh, other funds as well. So we've been able to get uh, some significant grant funds. And, and we're, I think when you see the improvement map, you'll see that there's been quite a bit of improvement uh, made and, and can, will continue to be. I would add that it seems to me that in April every year, and that's when we're coming out of winter, and that's when the street start cracking or the concrete starts popping up and it happens in every community. And I think Everett, Topeka, the people there in Kansas City are talking about their streets. It's April and, and I by June, July, we'll be we'll have some things overlaid, we'll have the potholes filled. And it's just a cycle we go through, and we notice it in April because suddenly we're out and about, and uh, and the streets are wearing, I guess, and they don't last forever. I mean, I, I look at some streets, and I think, how can this street be like this? We just paved it. Oh, 
that was 10 years ago. <laughs> so I have to talk to myself to, you know, be uh, put things in perspective. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Appreciate it. Time will catch up with you quick there, too, yeah. honestly. You know, it was a good segue into a conversation I want to have, but it's about time for a break. So we'll continue a little bit of road conversation and updates after the break on In Focus. News Radio KMAN. And we're back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN. We're talking city commission. We have city manager Ron Fear, Mayor Linda Morse here in studio with us. Previewing tonight's city commission meeting at 7 p.m., also talking about other city-related items, uh, such as road construction. That was kind of where we left off. And um, there's a few projects going on around town. One major one, you mentioned North Campus Corridor, so we should probably start there, the Kimball Avenue project. Right. There's actually two two different projects on Kimball, and that uh, is the st- we started on the stretch uh, earlier between uh, North Manhattan and Denison. Both those projects are proceeding well. Of course, uh, one of the, one of the we closed uh, the complete traffic off, so you can't get through. And I'm sure people are trying to figure out ways to get uh, best through there they, that they can. But part of that closure was to allow that contractor to be able to move along uh, and not have to uh, maintain traffic control uh, and can't get the project done nearly as quickly. Uh, by that. And then the second part is the section basically, and that's the middle section of Kimball between Denison and College Avenue. So uh, both those projects are proceeding well. Uh, the, the goal is to, to have those to a situation in mid to late August, by the time school starts back up again, uh, to op- both open to two-way traffic at least. Um, so right now things are looking fairly good that uh, that should hold for us so we're we're uh, pleased with that activity and then uh, of course we've uh, got continuing construction in Aggieville so the uh, North Manhattan Avenue construction has started the garage is now open uh, just kind of a reminder that uh, there's a lot of spaces in the garage so that could be a convenient part for you to park and uh, uh, you can but you need to access it from 14th Street and Laramie. That's where the entrance is off of Laramie. And so uh, if you're coming from the east and trying to get through Aggieville to get, you need to go around on either uh, Bluemont Anderson to 14th or Fremont to 14th. And, and then there's lots of lots of spaces to park and, and convenient to, to walk to different businesses there. And certainly uh, uh, that, that construction activity is anticipated to uh, go into the fall. Uh, again, that's a full replacement of North Manhattan Avenue between Fremont and Bluemont uh, with uh, a lot of the construction activity targeted for fall when typically our, our volumes of traffic go down a little bit for the summer. Uh, the other thing that we're doing as part of that is the, the full replacement of a lot of our water and sewer lines and the individual business connections that uh, uh, are old and a lot of undersized infrastructure there relative to that. So it's a it's a major project uh, for Aggieville and uh, certainly uh, uh, look for folks to be patient uh, with us about that. And, you know, more construction uh, uh, likely on the way. Commission, you know, at the last meeting approved the uh, Midtown project, uh, which is a, a five-story uh, mixed-use facility there at the other city surface lot, which is at 12th and Laramie. So the goal is not to take that out of commission until we get the other project done. Yeah, I think uh, anyone that travels the Aggieville area for a while should, for the next few years, probably expect some amount of construction to be going on. If you look at the Aggieville Community Vision Plan, there's a lot that's going to be happening. There's a lot of change you're going to start seeing in the next uh, six to ten years or so. Yep. 
And we'll uh, be visiting with the commission actually at the next next commission meeting just about some of the policies in the garage and some of the parking strategies uh, going forward with with that. But uh, free parking in the garage uh, is uh, the, is the plan really till uh, the end of the year. Some of that's uh, based on not having the uh, equipment. It's in that uh, supply component. So we're going uh, with all video detection. We have uh, good video detection in the garage, but the actual uh, program that uh, does for license plate reading and that sort of thing uh, is is not available yet, uh, even though it's uh, uh, in the process. So we want to reiterate that and just talk about some concepts for management and parking management uh, in the garage and in Aggieville for the future, knowing that uh, we have some construction obstacles and we want to make things uh, as convenient as we can while there's uh, that kind of construction disruption as well. Mayor, do you have any thoughts sort of on maybe the changes we're seeing in Aggieville? I know that you have a, a historical perspective of what it used to be as well. And of course, you do, Mr. Fear, too. But I'm curious just what your thoughts are on, you know, this construction is, of course, necessary mm -hmm. on this road, but just all the transformation we're seeing out there. It's progress, uh, I suppose. Um, but it's, it's imperative that, you know, some of the pipes, when we dig up Aggieville streets and even downtown streets, we find brick that were laid in the early 1900s, I think. And so sewer lines, those things, uh, this is the opportunity we have. While we have this uh, initiative to update, uh, we just have to take advantage of the opportunity to replace the, the infrastructure, and that's what the city is ultimately responsible for. And um, I'm, you know, uh, we have development developers that want uh, to do things in Aggieville. I like the quaintness of Aggieville, so I'm kind of... Uh, torn, but I also know that it's inevitable. And so it, it, it will come with or without our support. <laughs> <laughs> I like the old brick of Aggieville. I like the limestone of downtown. And um, so in some ways, we're attempting to keep that with the facade that we're, we, the standards we have for Aggieville and for downtown. So, you know, uh, we can't stand still either. We have to, uh, to offer the, the amenities and the services that people that come here. And I want people to come. I think every uh, former student from K-State that comes here goes to Aggieville. It's like a rite of passage, and I want those businesses to succeed. So uh, it, we have to, we can't just let it sit there because it will, it has been, quite frankly, declining physically. And um, looking at that North Manhattan Avenue project again, I'm curious, I remember some facets of that involved changing the bike lane. Is, is that still part of the project? It is. So it's, uh, there is a, a new bike lane uh, through North Manhattan, and that will uh, uh, continue on to the uh, uh, North Manhattan Avenue north of Bluemont uh, for a few blocks and then tie in with the, the university's uh, separate bike path system. So, uh, yes, that is part of the project to try and produce uh, and, and improve that uh, bicycle travel uh, through Aggieville, no doubt about it. Now, I see that that's an interesting facet of it for me because um, there's been numerous times where I've ridden over from, I live in City Park West, I've taken my bike over here, my bicycle, um, and the way through Aggieville is generally some of the easiest routes through. And that uh, bike lane in between the parking and the sidewalk 
it's you it's I find it interesting, but there's some occasions where I notice, you know, people you know maybe overpark and you know get get in the lane a little bit there. So this seems like it might clear up some potential hazards as well. Yeah, I I think that was uh, kind of an experiment, you know, to try and uh, set, keep the bicycles uh, off of the sidewalk and going against traffic, you know, because that's a one-way street in, in that portion where it was. But it was also your you had to be uh, have a heads up, you know, as you were either traveling by bicycle or walking, you know, crossing that bike lane uh, to get to your vehicle. But yeah, so definitely that's that's been eliminated, and we have a two-way bike path within the the driving surface uh, on the west side, which should be a lot safer. And I know we're about to go to a break, but you have some construction going on in Stag Hill we want to touch on very briefly. Yeah, just as the caller mentioned, the street maintenance program, we have a contractor that's working up uh, uh, kind of in the Allison area. And those are one of the things that uh, uh, we've found to be more effective is uh, really almost a complete street replacement in a lot of those areas where there's been an inadequate base uh, underneath of that. So that's led to a lot of the failures in the past over time and the, the a lot of the soils uh, in the area, especially in the hills, are very high clay contact. So they, they get freeze-thaw and they expand and retract uh, as they get uh, cold and moisture. And so having a good base so to absorb some of that uh, is much better. And so used to be we'd just do some panel replacements periodically in some of the streets. And we found that, you know, over time, uh, 10 years later, the panels were still okay, but uh, the rest of the street wasn't. So uh, just being more efficient. We try to also group streets together for the contractors so they don't have to, and we use uh, scattered work for our own crews. So we get a better price on mobilization from that contractor and they can get in and have less disruption to the neighborhood uh, from driveways and that sort of thing uh, uh, all at one time. So they're, they're working up there, uh, uh, continuing some work up there this summer, and uh, it's that time of year we'll be bidding out some additional work uh, for street maintenance as well as some of our asphalt work once the asphalt plant gets fired up. Keyword I heard was more efficient, yes. and something I always something I always note from Public Works Director Rob Ott is he always seems to be looking for higher levels of efficiency. Whether it's ways to fill in holes in the asphalt with uh, some new types of processes, or maybe this process as well, he always seems to be looking for these things. He does. I agree. Let's take our break here, Stephen, and we'll be back with jumping into the general agenda for tonight's city commission meeting here on In Focus, News Radio KMAN. And we're back here on In Focus, News Radio KMAN with City Manager Ron Fier, Manhattan Mayor Linda Morse. We're talking about various items of city interest as well as the city commission meeting tonight, 7 p.m. There's a briefing session at 5.30 before it. And we're going to jump into the general agenda here, and we'll probably just go down the list from top to bottom. And the first is uh, considering first reading of an ordinance amending the Manhattan Development Code, which is interesting. This was very recently implemented. It was uh, basically the end of last year. So it's one of those things where we spent uh, almost two years – uh, redoing the existing codes and the, the Manhattan Development Code is a combination and, and joining of the old uh, subdivision regulations and the zoning regulations into a modern and upgraded uh, code uh, that I think is more uh, certainly easier for the public to understand. They can search it on online and, and have a better definition of the different aspects, whether it's zoning or or the regulations involved in the different districts. And one of the things that uh, we had indicated to the commission that we wanted to revisit that on an annual basis, uh, just to look at some of the, the different variations and changes that have occurred. But as we've gone through it, we've had a couple of the uh, 
different uh, developments and and that have popped up and and one of the things that uh, was revealed was that we didn't uh, update the sections for the some of the university overlay districts and so uh, which is kind of an unusual but something that's pretty important in a in a university community because that that university overlay district's pretty broad um, and so there was some some office proposals in that area and and there was uh, some sections that the new code didn't really speak to so we're having to go back and and we don't want to wait a full year because we don't want to hold up this development uh, that would occur and and most of it almost all of the adjustments that we're proposing here were uh, really non-controversial issues in the old code um, and we just didn't get them transferred and and built into the new code so it's a kind of a correction if you will uh, to come back and and make up for some of those things some of the other aspects of that uh, are really kind of dealing with where are those institutional offices in that overlay district uh, and that where are they where are they allowed as a general use where are they allowed as a conditional use or part of a uh, planned unit development or different types of uh, zoning aspects and then there's uh, some things like uh, uh, we've always had restrictions for parking vehicles in front yards uh, where there isn't a on the yard and not not in a driveway and so the piece got carried over for residential but not for commercial um, so there's those are some of the the aspects of that there's also this uh, 35 percent building coverage uh, on a particular lot for and some of the setbacks that that exist that uh, again were existing in the old code and they were just bringing them back into the to this existing code so it's really more of a kind of a catch-up and correction if you will to uh, put some of the stuff that was kind of inadvertently left out of that update when you take on an, a project of this scope, I, I feel like it's inevitable that there's going to be some things overlooked. And I, I feel like city staff was pretty forward about that, that there may be some edits necessary. Um, there were some concerns about lot coverage type issues from folks that I can recall. But um, from what I can see on this regard, this uh, this proposal regarding building coverage, it seems like it was uh, a kind of a, an earlier concept that they were looking into um, putting forward, but I'm not. What, what was that earlier concept? Are you are you familiar with that? Yeah, there was real. So there was some uh, the the issue that was previously discussed uh, was the issue of within a particular residential district and and having some type of uniform code that uh, we had a lot of uh, setbacks was one of the big big issues as to. F- far as where else you could put an, an expansion onto your building, whether it's a side lot, front yard. And some of the analysis that would occurred was, if, you know, if you just, the old code kind of had this inadvertent standard that says, you know, if you want this particular look, this is where the build back line, you shouldn't have anything in front of that and, and shouldn't make it easy for somebody to exceed that. But one, we had a substantial amount of non-conforming structures that uh, hadn't really been changed. They were just kind of, they didn't fit that standard necessarily. So what there was a big attempt to try and and go through and just actually document what is that that average existence? Um, and, And is it realistic to think that that you can force everybody to be at this this line that was previously established. So, I think they the, the goal there was to come up with some 
compromise as to what makes sense for the variation of that line, uh, five foot either direction, whatever the case may be, and that ultimately impacts that lot coverage percentage that's been, been dealt with. And, you know, do you measure it from the wall or do you measure it from the edge of the eave? Those were some of the discussions that were occurring as to, to where do you measure that lot coverage from. And Mayor Morris, I, I recall this conversation going on a long time, I, and you were a part of it ever since it was called the, the Unified Development Ordinance, or as I recall, it was called the UDO a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on some of these edits also. I mean, you're seeing the culmination of it all. So I, I'm curious, at, at <clears throat> seeing the whole process, what your thoughts are as well. These seem to be corrective measures, and so they aren't um, – don't seem to be onerous, and uh, because it was an oversight or they weren't ready or whatever, I'm actually looking forward to the January uh, review of the overall um, MDO uh, to f- uh, with some citizen input because there were citizens who were uh, concerned a- about setbacks and. Um, accessory buildings and those kinds of things. So uh, after this year, they will have some uh, in, some experience with and can report to the city about what. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, they're pretty exacting, it seems to me, <laughs> and hold, uh, hold the city uh, to what, what we commit to. So I, I'm I'm willing to wait for that. This this would have been part of it originally, and so I'm not uh, going to you know uh, be that critical, uh, and until we get some citizen feedback on the future in the in after I don't know it might take might be February before we we get right. it on the agenda. But after one year, the intent, the commission's intention, and the administration is to take another look at it in a year. So we'll only get part of a year on this part. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure you will get some citizen in, input. That's for sure. I I'm, I can guarantee you'll get some of that. <laughs> uh, let's move on to another item on the agenda as well. Looking ahead, there's also uh, consideration of the amended 2022 salary ordinance, which has also been something talked about for years as well. There's a lot of culmination of long-standing conversations in this meeting, which is interesting. I know. Dating back even to my early times in 2019, there was talks about difficulty attracting employees and retaining employees, and this seems to be an effort to um, mitigate that situation. It does, uh, Nick. Thank you. This is is a culmination of a comprehensive pay study that we did uh, uh, through a consulting firm that looked at uh, making significant re- recommendations. You know, employees uh, didn't receive any increases in in, in 21. Uh, obviously. Uh, uh, we've the pay studies we've done in the past. We've only been able to partially implement. Uh, basically, uh, we have an ability here. We're, we we we've tended to have a lot of vacancies. Uh, generally, anywhere from 25 to 35, just continually. We make some progress, hire a dozen, and we lose 10. So, uh, you know, our net for uh, uh, 21 was I think we were able to hire about uh, 70, and we lost about 64. So. Uh, it's been very difficult, uh, and and that's that's challenged now for everybody. Uh, we've we've just experienced, uh, I think, it a little bit longer, and and so it's certainly as the labor labor supply gets shorter, it's even uh, more competitive. But the consultant made several recommendations for implementation, and really looked at uh, we we did a new classification system, and this salary ordinance uh, implements that classification 
system. Uh, we're looking at making some adjustments to employee rates of pay uh, on an hourly basis or their total salary uh, that would be implemented over time. And the uh, majority of commission did approve this uh, first reading with the idea of uh, coming back with some phased-in components uh, for some of the, the positions that have uh, significant uh, increases. And so we've done that with kind of the top 15 adjustments. Uh, so they'd be phased in uh, about over a year and a half, wouldn't re realize full implementations for about two and a half years. Uh, but uh, it does uh, uh, create a, a better system for the bulk of the employees getting uh, uh, the vast majority of their increase uh, uh, you know, right away as a change to their annual salary. still takes a, a full year to year and a half for them to realize the, the full benefit of that. But it does allow us to be competitive uh, as we work to retain uh, valuable workers. Um, and we certainly have some shortages in some of the key areas and uh, have an ability to, to be able to, to work with folks that uh, we've spent a lot of time training and we'd like to be able to retain them uh, as well as attract new employees for sure. Yeah, and uh, if I remember correctly, there's somewhere in the realm of 100 city employees eligible for retirement in the next five or so years, and that's about a quarter of your workforce. Right. So it seems like something that's, I'm sure, very present on your mind about making sure you're able to attract and retain employees then. Um, and I know that there was, regarding the phasing in, there was some concern and, and uh, from particularly Commissioner Mata about the phasing in and uh, those higher end salaries and how those raises would impact. And I'm curious, uh, Mayor Morris, what your thoughts are on how well this maybe phases in or if you think the phasing in approach is at all necessary? I, uh, I think the proposal was to phase it in over five years. Um, the reality is that <clears throat> in recent years, uh, we have not had the money to implement a, f a, a pay raise, uh, a, a, a whole comprehensive, and f we have the money this year and next year this, during this phased period that Ron described. Uh, if we wait three to five years, we'll be probably back to the period where we don't have the money. And I think it's important that we show faith in our employees. We want them to be respected. We know what it's like when we go to the local drive-up restaurant and their 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 in 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 store dining is closed, or they're closed for the evening because they don't have staff. We're having, and I think every almost every business is having uh, it, it difficulty recruiting employees. And uh, if you you know, we have to be able to function, and we're not the only one dealing with this. Every um, uh, restaurants are having to pay higher wage rates. Our employees, uh, uh, you know, it was a tough time through COVID, and they were, uh, we dealt with fewer employees. So one person would leave, and the other two would have to cover that job because we couldn't recruit. It's still happening. And uh, I, I believe that this is a, just showing a basic respect. We have to try to catch up. Because we know that in the next few years, we'll be losing ground again. It, it just is so hard as a government entity to stay uh, caught up. And we're looking, this has been a market study also. This is not just, and, and uh, the commission and uh, isn't, shouldn't be picking and choosing which 
jobs which uh, get raises and not. This is a professional. That's why we went outside to get the professionals to look at our our process and all the categories and work work employees we have. And so we want we we should as uh, stewards of the uh, for the public we should be looking for an objective um, an anal- analysis. So it it. I uh, have had a lot of sympathy for our employees, and currently we have uh, only three sewer employees, and we're having a hard time recruiting for them. And uh, some of them are just hanging on, thinking if this pace doesn't go in, we're we're going to go somewhere else. I talked to one of them. I mean, it's just it's, and that's just one example. We have lots of examples. We have four hundred employees. Right. Uh, so uh, it, it's a big deal for us when we can't function. And when you talk about streets, how many employees do we have that are doing street repairs? And can we recruit anybody else? Because, you know, we need two crews, not just one. So it's a cro- it, it, the county is dealing with it. Topeka, uh, they're complaining about their streets, too. It's just uh, uh, something... Post-COVID, as far as I'm concerned, that <clears throat> all businesses and governments are having to deal with, and it's not easy. It's hard to balance it to just the right degree. And I think it's time for our last break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the general agenda, talk about some proclamations, and then any other business we need to take care of here on In Focus News Radio KMAN. And we're back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN. And our last segment, talking about tonight's city commission meeting. That's at 7 p.m. You can catch it on Cox Cable Channel 3, city of mhk.com slash TV as well. And we're going to get into the last item on the general agenda. And this one's a discussion item. The others were more voting items. This one's purely for discussion regarding possible changes to ordinances in city code chapter two. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Administration and related resolutions regarding governing body procedures. This is generally in part to streamline how uh, city commission meetings operate, but also some other uh, considerations regarding how uh, the, the commission itself appoints people. And and numerous other things are in there too. Right. No, that's uh, something we've been having a discussion about. Uh, for example, the uh, policy resolution, which guides a lot of those uh, aspects of how the governing body processes things, uh, the way the board appointments are made, all of those things are in a resolution that was adopted in 1997. So uh, there's been uh, changes that have been happening there. And then I guess the other thing that would that I would mention is we have a lot of traditions uh, in in Manhattan in our in our form of government and the way we operate and the way the the mayor ascends based on the the past uh, time that how were they finished in the election uh, and and it has been a tradition that hasn't really been codified um, so part of that is to have that discussion about uh, uh, how that occurs and and putting it down in writing and updating those codes there's also a series of statutes and charter ordinances that uh, are not relevant anymore um, and so making those adjustments is another big aspect of that but it's uh, look forward to a good discussion among the commission on on how the they want to put in writing some of those policies and update some of the, the past policies that have been there. 
And Mayor Morris, I'm, I have to turn this over to you here as part of this conversation does stem back to um, last legislative session. Um, at that legislative session, there was a, a couple of appointments you were making mm -hmm. and uh, a few commissioners um, weren't really amenable to the decisions you had made. And they made a, they called for, they one rejected them and called for votes to uh, instate other uh, candidates in mm -hmm. their place, which ran into an issue in regards to their authority to do so, as mm -hmm. typically, my understanding is the resolution has the mayor making those appointments and the commission mm -hmm. um, verifying the appointments. And I'm curious to get your perspective on everything that went down, as well as maybe some of the discussion that will be going on about how appointments are made tonight. Well, the appointment process has been standard throughout Kansas in cities and counties. It's in state legislature. The governor makes appointments. It's confirmed by the Senate. The mayor makes appointments, and uh, it's reviewed and approved at a usually on a consent agenda because there's no objection. Um, so, but that isn't there. Ha there's nothing really, no detail in our current ordinance or resolution that speaks to it. And I think there's an interest, like uh, the may may sequence of mayors. Isn't we haven't written that down. We say it and we do it, it's a tradition. So those traditions are being challenged in new ways that we haven't in the past. And so we'll deal with it and we'll, you know, it's been, uh, there's a, a, been a, a, a lot of flexibility allowed when you don't write the write down the rules. And uh, so we're in a process of uh, putting some structure into our uh, written instructions so that future commissioners and mayors uh, will uh, have uh, direction. And you do have an appointment on this consent agenda as well. So well, I guess we'll see how uh, that plays out. Then. I have appointed, <clears throat> am appointing Linda Cook uh, to the, the Manhattan Public Library Board of, it's a board of Trustees, actually. And she has just retired as the chief of staff at Kansas State University. And um, I sh shouldn't think there will be a big brouhaha about that. And that wraps up the general agenda for this meeting. And uh, there's a numerous items on the consent agenda of interest as well. Um, let's. I'm just going to start at the top of the list. Uh, the traffic systems master plan. And we've talked about, or you've talked about this with Brandon Peoples before, and uh, just about how much of a big deal this is for the city. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, looking at bringing in uh, some traffic engineering experts to really look at our our signalization systems and and how. Uh, some of them talk to each other and can be programmed. We have some outdated programming that some stuff is no longer available. Uh, so really looking at, uh, you know, is it is it appropriate and, and different timings and sequences to try and uh, get that those flows going so they're not interrupted, be more ecological, uh, so more environmentally friendly. And, you know, do, do you make uh, – uh, 40 cars wait for two cars that are turning left in either direction, or do you let them go? So you go to larger areas, you see these flashing yellow lights. We have our first one actually on Rosencutter Road uh, there at the Fort Riley Boulevard project. It's not on, on Fort Riley Boulevard. It's on if you're coming out of the four points there. So, uh, again, it, it makes that left-hand turner wait till there's an opening. It doesn't give them that first right to go across everybody and while everybody's still waiting. And so you have to sequence through those things. So it really took a comprehensive look at our, at our system uh, and, and how, what improvements can we make uh, going forward that uh, uh, will be uh, more efficient uh, and more economical and, and more environmentally friendly. 
And very briefly, um, you also have a final development agreement for the Art and Light Museum. And there's been a lot of talk about this. A lot of the details are already out there. Um, but uh, what, what exactly does this final development uh, agreement, I guess, differ in any way from sure. perhaps past conversations? So we basically have finished the, the different uh, aspects relative to the real estate and, and how it fits there. And then this development agreement just speaks to the responsibilities that the developer will have. There's a public sewer main that's got to be relocated out of the alley and the abandonment of that. There's also uh, the city will actually be responsible for issuing the star bonds uh, that will go towards the project because they're, they're actually a city bond, but the city will they're kind of like an IRB. The city has no risk or responsibility, and this development agreement expresses that that all of that funding and repayment of those bonds is solely on the developer and not the city. And we're just about out of time here, but as we're go- as we're playing ourselves out, we're going to talk about some proclamations okay. coming up. And there's three of them. Yep. Uh, we have Poppy Day for May 7th, mm-hmm. May 2022, Mental Health Month, a big yes. deal, of Poppy. course, mm-hmm. and uh, National Tourism Week, and also Bridget mm-hmm. Everett Day. Uh-huh. Karen Hibbard <coughs> has uh, a week's worth of events for National Tourism Week, and one of them that she's the community is really excited about is Bridget Everett Day, which is today, and uh, she's going to uh, be up here, I don't know, um, at the Johnny Caw statue this afternoon at 4.30. And we're excited to hear and see her. She's, you know, we talk about favorite sons. Well, this is a favorite daughter. <laughs> so I appreciate the opportunity. Thank of course, you. of course. And um, if you want, missed any of this episode, we'll have it archived on our SoundCloud. We'll have it up on 1350 KMAN on Facebook. And, of course, check out the City Commission meeting tonight at 7 p.m. Mr. Fear, Mayor Morse, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it.